In the name of Jesus, amen. Dear saints, for those of you who have known me uh, the past six years I've been a pastor, uh, you may know something very well about me uh, already, which is that I don't usually depart from the pericope, uh, the lessons set for the Sunday. Uh, but today I will, uh, slightly, very, in a very little way. Uh, I will address it, though. But in a time like this, when we are surrounded by fear and panic and bedlam and pandemonium because of illness and disease, I want you to consider Psalm 46. And I want this to be the chief text that is in your mind this Sunday. You may know Psalm 46 as the hymn that inspired Dr. Luther to write, A Mighty Fortress is Our God. Now, I'm not going to quote the entire psalm here, but I want to quote for you the main verse, the theme verse of this entire psalm, verses 1 and 2, which says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we shall not fear when the earth changes. Yes, when the mountains shake in the hearts of the sea. And this verse, these two verses come out in a mighty fortress in verse 3 of that hymn when Luther writes this. He says, Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, we tremble not, we fear no ill. They shall not overpower us. The they in there in that hymn, in those words, is the demons and all the devils, all the troubles, all the woes, all the diseases, all the illnesses, all the death. Every single thing that is out to get you, he says, we will tremble not. We will not fear them. So Luther had this sharp, very keen understanding that the devil's primary goal against the Christian is to make you afraid. The greatest weapon the devil has against you with his lies is to scare you and to scare the church. His goal is to frighten. And the reason is because if the devil can get you to panic, if he can get you to fall into anxiety and worry, then he can get you for a time to take your eyes off of Jesus and to lead you to think that Jesus is somehow no longer in control, that the Lord has somehow dropped the ball on this. The devil wants to intimidate you and bring nothing to your mind but terror and dread that he takes away the sleep that the Lord has given you. He takes away the appetite that the Lord has given you. He takes away all these things through fear. That's how the devil works. He knows he can't just appear to you and say, look, stop praying, stop going to church, stop trusting in God, right? But what the devil does know is that you can't worry and pray at the same time. He knows that if he can fill your heart with fear and anxiety, then you may not want to come to church. He knows that if he can cause you to panic, then you won't be using that time trusting that God is in control and that he is taking care of you, even 
Now, if the devil can throw you into a panic, then he knows he can damage your trust in God and that you will try to take matters then into your own hands as if you can deliver yourself better than the Lord can. He wants you to think that you're safer on your own than trusting in him. Think about it. When the devil led Adam and Eve into sin and he threw them into a panic after they sinned and death was upon them, death was theirs, what did they do? Did they draw closer to God? Did they humbly go to the Lord and confess their sins and admit that they needed the Lord's help? No. Through fear, the devil caused them to run away from the Lord, to try and hide from him, the the only one who could save them, the only one who could get them out of that mess to cover up their own shame. They took leaves and covered their nakedness. When Jesus was walking on water and walked out and saw the disciples in the boat, do you remember what happened? Peter saw Jesus and asked Jesus to walk out as well. And the Lord said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and he walked on the water too. But then the text says, when Peter saw the wind, the Bible says he was afraid and he began to sink. Why? It's because when he was afraid, he took his eyes off of the Lord. Peter trusted the Lord's word and was able to do what the Lord said when he was at at first, when he saw the Lord. And then when he was afraid, he no longer trusted the Lord. Faith and fear don't mix together well. You can't trust in God while being afraid of everything around you. And the devil knows this. Think about how he has already succeeded in taking your eyes off of Jesus this week alone. Our nation is riddled with anxiety over this virus. Left and right, you see nothing but stress and worry. Stores are selling out. Shelves are empty. Schools and businesses are closed. Sports across the nation are suspended for their seasons. Disney is closed. (laughs) Churches are closed. Some churches are not even open today. They're not even giving the Lord's Supper. The amount of Google searches on how to write your will has skyrocketed. Now, more than ever. There's just chaos. And now you consider what all of this fear and hysteria has done for you. Where have your eyes been? How many hours of the news have you seen? How many hours have you poured into social media posts and articles? And yet, do you genuinely know anything more? If you do know more, are you less afraid? I would argue that the incessant attention to the media causes us to be more afraid. Are you less worried now, now that you know more? Where has all of the time spent on this gone? What did did it bring you? And then consider this. How many pages of the Bible have you read this week? And how many hours did you spend in prayer? You see what fear and faith do. (laughs) They they attack each other. They're not uh, uh, compatible. And, And you see how it takes your eyes off of the Lord even for moments. 
Now, why is everyone so afraid? There's a root cause. The real fear isn't the virus. The real fear is the wages of sin. The real fear is death. This panic reveals that the real condition of man's heart is this, that he is afraid to die. That's the heart of the matter. When he sees the earth shaking, he shakes. When he sees the mountains tremble, he trembles. When he sees the world panic, he panics. He's afraid because the very ground he stands on is shaking. He panics because no matter what, he can't evade death. And he believes that he only has one life to live and it's about to come to an end. So, of course, this is why the world panics at every outbreak, threat of nuclear war, every pandemic. Uh, I've told a number of you this, uh, uh, this account already. And so if you've heard this already and know what I'm about to say, bear with me. But about four years ago, I went to the hospital to visit a member in intensive care. And after I visited him, I was leaving and making my way out of the hospital. And a nurse saw me and recognized I was a pastor because I was dressed like a pastor. I was wearing a clerical collar. And she says to me, she goes, are you a priest? And I said, no, I'm married. <laughs> uh, and, then I, <laughs> and then I told her I was a Lutheran. <laughs> and then I said, uh, and I told her how we believe the Bible and uh, it, what the Bible says specifically about justification, that we're saved by grace through faith alone and not by any of our works. And we were talking for a while. And then I asked her if she was a Christian. And she said she wasn't because she didn't really know if there was a God or not. She couldn't tell. Uh, then this is what I'm getting to. Uh, she came out and she said this. She goes, I can always tell who is a Christian and who is not. And I said, okay, how? <laughs> how can you do that? And she said, well, whenever we go in and have to tell the person that their condition is terminal, that there's nothing we can do, that they only have a little while to live, those who aren't Christians, we see always get angry, they start panicking, and they lose control. They start to rip out the IVs from their arms and they try to leave. And then she said, but whenever we tell that to someone who is a Christian, that they, their life is coming to an end, she says, really calmly, they'll just bow their head for a moment. They'll shed a tear. And then they're at peace. And she said that those who are, a Christ, are Christians are calm, even in this. They're not afraid. Later in that conversation, she, didn't, she said that she didn't understand why. Why, why this difference? What was going on here? Uh, now, you do. You know the difference. But she didn't. And most don't. And most listen to the preaching of this world over and over again. They conclude that we are to be afraid of everything. Because there is no solution to death. Nothing will solve death. There is no answer to death. So that's why anything that threatens to take our life is filling us with fear and anxiety. And so the world preaches and they say, another missile has been fired. Be afraid. Another conflict has arisen between nations. Be afraid. Your family is falling apart. Be afraid. You are pregnant and you don't know what to do now. 
be afraid. Another man has shot another man, be afraid. Another student or disgruntled church member fired shots in the church, be afraid, be terrified. The test results came back and they need to do surgery. Be afraid. The Ten Commandments demand a pure and perfect life. Be afraid. Your days are numbered. Be afraid. God is a powerful and holy and just God. Be afraid. The earth is falling apart. Be afraid. The day of judgment is coming. Be afraid. And that is the preaching of the devil. But it is not the preaching of the Lord Jesus. When these things happen, Jesus preaches something else altogether. He says, do not be afraid. When these things happen, Jesus teaches you to open up the Bible to Psalm 46 and say, when the earth changes, the nations rage, when pestilence takes over, when mountains fall into the heart of the sea, when the plague is heading straight for us, we will not be afraid. For the Lord Almighty is our mighty fortress. Even though the devil has captivated us with sin and guilt and death, though he has buried you under a mountain of anxiety and shame and fear, even though the devil is stronger than we are, the Lord is stronger than him still. Christ is the stronger man who has disarmed the devil, taken away every accusation that he has against you. Christ is the stronger man who in his body satisfied the wrath of God. He is a stronger man who took away the crown from death's pale brow, who has no victory, no power, and no sting. And for this reason, because of the death and the resurrection of your God, of the Lord Jesus Christ, we don't fear war or bloodshed or violence or pestilence or even this virus because we don't fear death. We have nothing to be afraid of because the Lord is with us. Christ has satisfied the wrath of God through his death and there really is nothing to be afraid of. God is not angry with you. He is not discouraged with you. He's not frustrated with you. He does not remember the sins of your youth. He doesn't remember the sins of this week, of this morning. He has forgotten them through Christ. He forgives you. He doesn't need you to supplement his death with any of your works or your intentions. You don't need to be afraid either of a single thing. Not the emperor, not the president, not the kingdom of the world or the legions upon legions of demons. You don't need to be afraid even of your own death or the pain that will suffer, that you will suffer there. So let the world go on preaching, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. But you, dear saints, you hold on to Jesus. And you look straight to the cross and you set your eyes on Christ, the Lord who is with you. You look at his forgiveness and his salvation and thus the 46th Psalm. You do not fear. Why? Because the Lord Almighty 
is with you. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That is beautiful. Now, for those of you who are here in church today, and for those of you listening at home or work in the car or wherever you are right now, even if half of Zion got this plague and this virus right now and died, and even if over time there were only three of us left here in this church, three surviving. And even if we were all terminally sick and ill, even if I myself were speaking to you my final words from this pulpit, I would still preach the same sermon and speak these same words to you and tell you, don't be afraid. If the mountains are collapsing into the sea. I, I want you to, to understand this, I, to, to listen very carefully to the final part, that this is the main point, that this is everything. I want you to hear me clearly. I'm not saying, I'm not saying, look, you guys, don't worry. I'm not saying this whole coronavirus thing isn't a big deal. You're overreacting. It's a political move, a media sensation. It's not really that serious, and for that reason, we shouldn't be afraid. What I'm saying is this. I don't know if this is serious or not. And frankly, I don't think anyone else does either. I don't know if this will be the end of us or not, or if we will find out that, in fact, this whole thing was nothing. But either way, you are not to be afraid. And even if this is the end for us, you are not to be afraid. If the mountains are collapsing into the sea and the missiles are flying over our heads, if the shelves are empty, everything is closed, and the virus is taking our lives, nothing would change. And I would still tell you, you have no reason to be afraid. I would still look you in the eyes with whatever time we have left in this short veil of tears, and I would tell you, look to Jesus. And don't you be afraid. You straighten up your head and you lift up your head and you rise up and you take courage and you take heart because your redemption is drawing near. You just hang on. You keep putting your trust in the Lord who loves you. You put your hope in him and you leave everything in his hands. Don't you worry about what's happening. The Lord said it would. While the earth crumbles around you and the world flees in panic, you just keep your eyes on Jesus, that he has already had his eyes on you. You look to him who has already been looking at you since before this plague hit, since before you were in your mother's womb, since before the beginning of this world, you were the apple of his eye. He was numbering the hairs on your head, and he has looked at you with favor since. He has turned his face towards you in love. And he is there standing at his throne waiting to take you from this veil of tears and into his arms forever. So dear saints, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but the Lord does. A lot of things will change in the days that come, but the Lord won't. 
And no matter what happens, you keep your eyes on Christ. The world will give way to fear and their hearts will fail, but you will not be moved. So what do we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so we tremble not and we fear no ill. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. So when the earth changes and when the mountains shake into the heart of the sea, when the world falls apart, when nations rise against nation, when pestilence closes in on us, when the devil attacks us, when death is at the door, we will not be afraid. Amen. Hear the words of this hymn. Though devils all the world should fill, all eager to devour us, we tremble not and we fear no ill. They shall not overpower us. This world's prince may still scowl fierce as he will. He can harm us none. He's judged. The deed is done. One little word can fell him. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding. Guard your hearts and your minds. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.